0: hey everyone welcome to another episode of captain hunters podcast thank you so much for tuning in this is your boy captain hunter i want to thank everyone for tuning in once again uh we've got a lot of new listeners and i really really appreciate it thank you so much and i want to encourage all the new listeners and anyone who's going to listen in the future to rate subscribe and share these episodes that's the best thing you can do to help this podcast to grow and to go on is to rate subscribe and share you know how we do it know what we say on all that kind of good stuff. So I really, really appreciate it. If you would do those things, you can support the podcast through PayPal cash app and Venmo. PayPal is capped C A P T Hunter H U N T E R capped Hunter cash app and Venmo are of course dollar sign CPT L Hunter. Listen, I'm always looking for new guests and new topics. Um, so if you, or if you have any guest suggestions or topics that you want me to cover, or if there's, um, uh, Uh, An interesting video that you come across or anything like that, make sure you send it to me, cptlhunter at gmail.com. cptlhunter at gmail.com. Once again, I'm always looking for for new uh, guests, ideas, and everything like that. So, once again, I want to thank you all and all the new listeners. I really, really appreciate it. So, we're going to jump right into the episode. Um, So, we're going to have today Dr. Dwight Sterling, really, really impressed with him and the article that he wrote. wrote an article that i read on um, get pocket but it was in another uh, online news agent uh, um, or online news outlet uh, called um, the conversation and the name of the article is why the u.s military usually punishes misconduct but police often close ranks so we're gonna have a great conversation talking about that so my guest for today is dr dwight sterling he's the chief executive officer and chairman of the center for law uh dr sterling founded and managed the center for law and military policy he is also an adjunct professor at the usc Gould law school and a jag officer in the california national guard the co-founder of veterans legal institute dr sterling is a leading scholar on the free ferris doctrine excuse me the ferris doctrine military ethics in the national guard so that's my guest for today. Uh, you can go over for centerforlaw.org if you want to uh, um, learn more information about the, about the their particular organization. Um, I, get, I read the article. I thought it was great. Reached out to Dr. Sterling. He agreed to come on. And so let's get into it. We're going to jump into it and have a great conversation. Please make sure that you rate, subscribe, and share. Hit that thumbs up and uh, support the podcast as best you can. Thank you so much, ladies and gentlemen. Here we go. Let's get to it. So we can just kick off. So um, thanks again for, I'm here with Dr. Dwight Sterling, and I'm really impressed with you. uh, And I want you to uh, kind of tell the audience about yourself. And if you would, for us, please.
1: Yeah, thank you. Thank you, Captain. It's great to be here. I uh, do a number of things. Um, I teach law up at uh, uh, a USC law school where I specialize in military law. I'm also a part um, of the Army National Guard as a JAG officer. I work as a major, been in the Guard now for about two decades. And then uh, I run a nonprofit called the Center for Law that seeks to make um, um, uh, uh, changes in the policy of military law for the protection of our service members. Um, and so I have those you know, three aspects of, of my life, uh, and uh, kind of have you know foot in each of those worlds.
0: Very nice, very nice. Uh, so the way that we I came across uh, you uh, is I was kind of googling around, searching for stuff to to uh, to read, and because I'm kind of uh, glutton for punishment like that. <laughs> and somehow I came across your work here, uh, uh, the article. Why the U.S. military usually punishes misconduct, but police often close ranks. I thought that this was a phenomenal article uh, that, uh, that you wrote. Uh, you originally wrote, wrote it, uh, published the piece back in uh, 2019, um, and you wrote it in for the conversation. And so uh, you know, what caused you to write that particular article?
1: Well, it was because of the events of, of the SEAL case uh, involving the SEAL named Gallagher, Edward Gallagher, you know, it was, it was a famous case from the end of last year where uh, it resulted in a trial, you know, court martial in terms of the military side. And uh, it's where the president, you know, got involved in that case. Um, and became you know, a high-profile thing you know, through the lens of politics. And the result was that uh, the, you know, the defendant, you know, Gallagher, uh, was not um, convicted of the serious things that he was accused of doing. He was accused of murder, basically. He was accused of you know, the murder of a, of a young boy with, you know, with ISIS. Um, and, and his colleagues, uh, his peers, you know, seals, um, you know, saw this you know, misconduct or the allegations of misconduct, uh, you know, the murder, and other you know, bad acts done by Gallagher. And they went up the chain of command and they reported it. Um, and so they, you know, told the truth and took a chance uh, in you know coming forward. And uh, went then went through the system on the on the military side to a court martial, you know, general court martial, you know, very very serious, where the result could have been you know life, you know, life in confinement, you know, life in the brig, and it potentially could have been the, up to the death penalty. Um, but it was a case that again got into the headlines because in the midst of it, um, President Trump you know, tweeted, uh, you know, his support for the accused, you know, for Gallagher, for the soldier who was alleged to have done these, you know, terrible things. Um, and Gallagher went, you know, Fox News and did like a media blitz, but it's where the president got involved. Um, you know, basically saying that he, you know, thought that the, you know, the, uh, uh, charges uh, were kind of exaggerated, uh, you know, even not true. Uh, he threw shade at the prosecutors. He threw shade at the chain of command, uh, you know, at the commanders who convened the court martial, and you know whatnot. And and so, as a result of that, at least this is the thinking. You know, those that sat on the jury, you know, no doubt were aware that their commander in chief was putting a thumb on the scale for the defendant and, uh, you know, attacking, you know, the work and um, um, uh, you know, the professionalism of, of the prosecutors. And so, the way I see it, and most folks see it, is that had a big influence on, you know, on the outcome of that case. And so, uh, you know I've done a lot of work in the JAG corps uh, you know as a trial attorney as a prosecutor and so this is a world that you know i've been in um you know i've done these trials uh, and um, just the thought you know is just kind of what kind of got me interested in it is just you know what would i have felt like if i were doing that trial and the commander-in-chief came out of nowhere you know, tweeted about me, and, you know, by name. Um, and all of a sudden I'm, you know, I've gone from a life of obscurity in the JAG Corps, you know, you know, relative obscurity uh, to being, you know, being a being like a punchline uh, by the president. So that's what got me interested in it. And then I, I looked, you know, I began to really get into that case and I studied it and I just, um, I was so impressed that, you know, these colleagues, you know, Gallagher had the courage to, you know, take that risk um, because as you know, your captain, the the idea or the, you know, um, or the prospect of, uh, you know, coming forward and reporting the misconduct of a colleague, it's a serious risk, you, you know, you were breaking a code there if you will you were going against you know you're going against your buddies you're having the appearance of you know disloyalty um and so the fact that these guys you know chose the good of the organization um you know over uh their you know you know personal feelings or loyalty toward you know toward gallagher just really i found that to be so impressive and so you know you know, it's just so um, um, uh, so powerful as an act of courage. And um, yet then, despite that and the risk they took, it was like a worst case for those guys because uh, you know, their risk did not, if you will, pay off.
0: Yeah, right. if, you look at,
1: <laughs> you know, if you look at how things could have gone, It went in the worst way um, um, possible for the witnesses against Gallagher, because, you know, not only did they testify in a negative way about a colleague and put themselves kind of askew, if you will, from, you know, I'm sure a lot of their colleagues internally, but It resulted in basically in in an acquittal not a conviction um and then you know them being you know made to seem like they were rats um like you know they had done a uh uh so disservice to to a colleague to a good guy to like a cowboy you know in the form of gallagher that they somehow were out to get you know one of their own and that's how they were cast. So it's like a worst you know, case from their perspective. And I just, you know, unlike uh, uh, you a know, personal level, I felt for those guys because of just the human you know, cost they went through. And so it was from that you know perspective, here, captain, that I, I got interested in this case. And so, you know, I began to think it through. I began to think, well, what... Are the ramifications of what happened in that case? What are going to be the second, third-order um, um, you know, consequences of it? And the first thing that you know, leaped into my mind was, we, you know, the military are going to become the police, and by that I mean, you know, our mentality of a soldier or of you know of a member of the service, be it. Part of the Marine Corps or sailor, or whatever, our mentality is going to be uh, 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 transformed into the mentality of, of a police officer, and I don't mean that in a negative way, you know, whatsoever. I I received, as you can imagine, you know, some feedback from.
0: <laughs> I definitely from could ask you about f- that.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, I've got some feedback you know,
0: from law enforcement.
1: So right. Basically, it's 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 the retired. Uh, cops who have taken offense with my characterization, you know, police culture, and we can talk about that in a second, but just this idea, right, this is what I talked about in the piece, uh, that, uh, you know, a lot of the culture, this is, you know, nothing new, is built on this idea of the blue wall of silence, right, that you, you know, that you don't, um, you know, testify or you don't talk about misconduct of your colleagues. If you are um, um, a police officer, one of the most important you know, things, you know, one of the most important uh, uh, sort of principles or values is that kind of loyalty to your colleagues and this idea that no matter what the circumstances are, you never talk. You just don't. There's no exceptions to that. If you talk, right, we know all the characterizations that are made then about a police officer. He's a rat, he's a, you know, he's scum, right? He's, you know, he uh, you know, can't be trusted. That's the idea. You know, he's broken trust and that trust can never be, you know, regained at that point. So just, I had this, this idea that, a very important part of the military, which is you know, people who are doing what's good for the organization, you know, above what's good for the individual, would be replaced with a different kind of culture, one that that I know well and that I have a brother who's a DA, I have you know a sister-in-law who's been a police officer with the LAPD for years and years. my dad's in law enforcement so I know that culture from like a secondhand experience and I just I got the thought that this kind of idea that we the military were going to become that type of culture and it just it just was a really kind of an awakening for me um in a negative way it just kind of made me afraid that something that was sacred Uh, About the culture that I know very well was going to be lost, and so that's what got me interested,
0: Captain, in this topic. So uh, I I really want to hone in on this. Uh, You mentioned the, you know, the president in the politics chiming in via tweet, and that, in your mind, influenced the trial, and also is going to influence other persons who may come after other military members, sailors, armymen, soldiers, et cetera, who encourage them not to speak out because they don't want to be ridiculed via tweet, they don't want to be ridiculed or looks foolish or silly in a court of law. Is is that essentially what you're saying? Oh, yeah. No, that's it, right?
1: Because, right, whenever you have an an event, we have to look at, well, what are the ramifications of that event? What, what, what are the consequences? And, you know, this is like, it's like a cautionary tale. <laughs> it's like a cautionary tale to those who are part of the military that, um, what is most important, you know, in the wake of your observing the misconduct of a colleague is the following a question what will President Trump think about my
0: testifying <laughs> about this? Right? That's almost unbelievable to think, right? <laughs> right? Like that, you know,
1: that, that becomes the question that is front of mind. Because if you do that analysis and, and you think, well, Trump is going to probably you know, think that the behavior that I'm coming forward about was okay, then to the extent that this goes forward, I'm gonna be the victim or the subject of a, you know, of a negative tweet. I'm gonna wind up just like those guys wound up. And so, yeah, I mean, that becomes then the whole analysis and it just, you
0: know, obviously that is problematic. Obviously. What's your opinion, I'm sure I'm gonna know this, <laughs> on uh, General Mad Dog Maddox's uh, statements about the president. And I don't want to turn this into completely bashing the president. Yeah, no. but, but what are your no, statements? I mean, <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> no, I mean, uh, you
1: know, I concur with you know, the general, of course. You know, the general is speaking as a senior officer who spent a career in the military. He's, you know, his whole uh, 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 character you know, it's formed in the identity of these values, of these ideas of, of, you know, service to the good of the group, not the individual. Of course, we care about the individual, right? We, you know, leave no one behind. And, uh, you know, our camaraderie, you know, is very important, but our camaraderie doesn't trump our integrity, right? It doesn't trump what's good for the whole, right? If if you're protecting um, a bad actor puts the group at risk, that's not a close call then. You don't protect that guy. You will come forward and you will speak You know the truth and you know that the culture will therefore then protect you. And that's... And that's key here, right? Is you know on the back end of your coming forward and being honest about what happened uh, and telling the truth about, you know, about, about misconduct that a colleague engaged in, that you're not going to face, you know, reprisal, right? That you're not going to then, you know, lose your job or, you know, find yourself in the middle of the night being taken out of your bunk. Uh, in the dark, you know, beaten up or all the other kinds of things that can happen in terms of reprisal, you know, you, you know, you know, you have the confidence those things aren't going to happen to you. That's the culture that the general, um, you know, was talking about. And, and he was, you know, he basically said that the president has a different type of mentality. That, you know, President Trump does not have the, you know, the mentality that is the product of the military and so yeah i mean i you know i just think that for a president to you know get involved in you know criminal case going through the system you know military justice you, you know where the president who again is the commander-in-chief um he you know, is taking the side of the accused, um, and not letting the case go forward to 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 a fair trial, to a you know, neutral uh, and just you know fair trial, you know shows the mentality of of like a mafia boss. Like that's what you do when you're in control. You know, in control of an organization, and you control you know you know each and every aspect of it. You, you know, your view then. You know is is you know one that you're going to want to share uh, at each of the levels you know of the hierarchy and so for trump to you know side with the accused and in doing so you know cut the legs out of the, of the secretary of defense and in the Chairman of the joint chiefs and secretary of the army or you know as it was in this case of the navy you know who by the way you know who resigned in the wake of this and then, and then each of the general or each, you know, each of the admirals who are, you know, who who are below the secretary of the Navy, it's, you know, he basically cut their legs out because he was saying, um, I don't care that you looked at this case. I, I don't care that you think there's enough evidence to go forward to a general court-martial. I don't care that you think that this should be a fair and impartial case. I, the president... I've done my own analysis, and I side with Gallagher. So I'm gonna you know swoop down from the White House, you know, and put myself in the middle of this case, um, and side you know you know I side with Gallagher, so that a president would you know, do that, just you know so is the a mentality uh, of a person who is unfamiliar with you know with military culture um you know it's the first time in my knowledge and I've talked to to, to a lot of jags as well it's 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 the first time that I or you know or my colleagues you know can recall a situation where a president you know did this where you know what we normally see here captain right when you have a commander who gets involved in a criminal trial tapping in the military it's always in one direction. It's always to get a conviction. <laughs> you know, and that's really because of the following point. The person who makes the charging decision of whether to go forth with you know charge of whether to go forth with a, a criminal case is not the jag. It's not the lawyer, it's not me. It's the command. It's 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 the commander who makes the charging decision. So if a commander is making a charging decision and saying, I want a trial to go forth, we can assume, right, that that the commander is of the mind that, that there's enough evidence that that the person's guilty, at least enough evidence to go forth through trial. So all of the influence you see by the command outside of this case is <laughs> you know, you know, what can happen there is the commander can put influence on the you know on the jurors, on the witnesses, right? On the process in one direction for conviction, right? Because what a commander wants, right, is good order and discipline. And so if he the commander has brought forth a charge of a crime and there's an acquittal, right, there's this idea that he the commander a, he was bad at analysis because he charged someone who was acquitted, so he can't look at his facts very well, he can't look at the evidence very well, you know, or B, he's just lost control of his unit. And no commander wants to be seen as you know, having lost control of his unit. So all the pressure that will occur, you know, in terms of the system is in the direction of conviction. So it's, this was very unusual here, Captain, because you had the president. <laughs> who was coming down in the opposite direction on the side of acquittal of, you know, not guilty. So by doing that, he's cutting the legs out again of, of the whole chain of command of all the military personnel who are charged with upholding good order and discipline. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah. Yeah. You mentioned, um, uh, that you had a you know secondary hand uh, knowledge of the police culture, uh, parents. I think you said your father's in the military, sister-in-law, DA, and all, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Yes. What 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 is your understanding of the blue wall of silence? What, what is what have you heard? What what is out there in the ether? <laughs> just what
1: just what the characterization is. Just what you know what the perception is, which is. That the blue wall of silence is is real, it's 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 alive and well. Uh, it's you know it's uh, you know its demise is greatly exaggerated. Um, that uh, if you are um, um, a police officer uh, and you know and your partner you know does something that is you know untoward. Um, you know, it's a violation of the rules, that you don't talk about it, that, uh, you know, you keep it internal, and that you don't do anything to, you know, break that trust that you and your partner have, or by extension, you and the, you know, department has. You just don't air your dirty laundry, you keep it internal,
0: that, you know, that's my perception. Yeah. Well, Unfortunately, I don't think I think your perception is correct. <laughs> uh, you mentioned that you got a lot of phone calls or emails or people reaching out to you from retired retired officers in particular. What's been the feedback about the article, and what have these people been saying?
1: Well, it's I've gotten a lot of reports that have been sent to me by you know by folks who are, you know who basically you know are retired police or who work for who are part are part of the union or or of like an advocacy group, you know, for police who have sent me reports that have been done that you know dispute this whole concept of a blue wall of silence. They say, Oh, you're just upholding the you know old stereotype, but haven't you seen you know, dot dot dot, you know, X report that has concluded that, that's, that that is no longer true. So basically they're saying I'm not in touch with, with, with the current you know, information. Um, that's been the feedback
0: uh, you know, almost to a number. And so you wrote this article in contrast to the, the, um, uh, the Gallagher case, looking at the Gallagher case and not wanting them to become the police. So again, I asked you what your perception was about the blue wall where where are you where are you gleaning the information from from the contrast if that makes any sense right so you don't want us you mentioned before you don't want the police you don't want the military to become like the police. Can you think of any times or circumstances or situations uh in which you know of that that would back up what what these officers are saying that the blue wall is gone w- what makes you think the blue wall is not gone H- how are you putting that together well it
1: just um like you know for example the case you know Joe Crystal that I I talk about and you know in the article and you know that's a case where a detective you know back east in Florida saw some conduct by by a colleague that you know that 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 was abusive you know way out of line and you know Joe Crystal you know you know, had had the viewpoint that he had to tell people about it. So he, you know, he talked. He went up the chain. He talked, and he I think he went. I think he went. You know, outside the chain. Actually, he went to. I think it was a reporter, or maybe, you know, it was it was a DA. I'm not sure exactly. But he went outside of the department. and he, and he told the truth about this. And all the it was like a worst case, right? He, you know, his you know his job was done at that point. He was. You know, he was ostracized from his colleagues. Called the rats. Uh, you know, mistreated. Uh, you know, there were. You know, there were threats to his family. Just like a worst case. And this is. You know, it's like a few years ago. And in my research, I came across you know, a number of cases like that that are recent, where, um, you know, it's it, it, it's it's the same kind of arc. It's the arc like from Sherpa code, right? It's that it's that old archetype, and it. So this idea that this. You know that you can, as a police officer, be truthful and come forward and, and and still be embraced by your colleagues, was you know not supported by the evidence that I came across in you know, the research that I did. Um, so so that's that's what I did. And there, you know, when you write a piece like this, you you know cite to you know a number of cases but then your editor gets a hold of your article and it goes from like you know, two thousand words down to 800 and all the good <laughs> stuff that you want to put in there all gets left on the you know it's left on the cutting room floor so
0: right
1: so but but I, I would just ask you captain what is your take on this do you do you think the blue wall is still there or is it just or, or now is it gone
0: well i think that it certainly has crumbled I, I don't think that it's completely gone and thank you for asking me that um i think that you you mentioned a good order and discipline i wrote that down um and a lot of this comes from the top whether we're talking about the president or we're talking about the general or persons like yourself this comes from the top and if you have a department that is willing to forsake the good order and discipline of the department and, and allow people to run amok, then you're going to have these types of issues and types of problems. The I did read that case that you talked about in the Baltimore police officer. Uh, yeah, yeah, Crystal, that's right. Yeah, that's right, Crystal. Baltimore. Yeah, right. right, I did read about him. And um, listen, that's a sad, terrible case, um, but a lot of this stuff was coming from the top and there was no one standing up for him when he needed to be stood up for. Um, and so, you know, I often brag about my department um, and I have a former chief who's a friend who's going to listen to this. And he he, he called me the other day and said, listen, you got to stop bragging on our department. We, we had our issues. And I say to him, I said to him, listen, that's the point. We had our issues, but we handled them, but we handled them. We weren't, you know, we weren't sweeping things under the, run, under the rug. We had to fire people or discipline people. We did it. And so we tried to set that good order and discipline from the top. And we, you know, we didn't have this type of things where people weren't to my knowledge, weren't backing people up or, I mean, if you don't wanna ride in the car with someone, that was because you didn't like them, <laughs> not because you're know were you afraid you're gonna tell them. So I think set good order and discipline where you don't have this type of corruption where people are beating people and like planting drugs and, and all that type of thing, then I think that you can really cut all this stuff off.
1: Yeah. And so what I wanna make sure gets out there is that the point of my article was not to, you know, traffic in in a characterization of the police of negative nature. I didn't, you know, write the article with with kind of the intent or or the objective of putting down the the police. I mean, that was the feedback that I got from you know a lot of the, you know the former police officers reached out to me that. You know they, you know they thought that that was my intent. At least that's how you know they you know, perceived it. It went into their, you know, went into their eyes, you know, in that way. Mm-hmm. But that, I mean, that, you know, is far from my intent. As I said at the beginning, my intent was to look at the ramifications on the military of the Gallagher's case, of of the Gallagher's case, and the president's, you know. You know involvement in the Gallagher case, and only then did I talk about the you know, culture of the police as a point of reference. It was just as a contrast point. Um, and I, again, have I want to just make this clear. I have you know full confidence in in the trustworthiness you know of police officers. Um, they are good people of course they're people of principle of course um, again a lot of my family right uh, you know you know my brother the DA and my sister was with the, with with the the LAPD you know for, for almost 3 decades and a lot of my friends as well and they're all good people but right we all know that you know you and I both know here you know captain that you know that a culture can sometimes you know, trump you know someone's values. I've seen that in the military. I've seen it where you know the pressure of the command or, or of your peers can you know make you know good people you know do things you know that afterwards they are ashamed about. Um, you know it can break you down when the culture is saying. You know, don't talk. Interesting, it's a talk, but you've seen examples of what happens to people who do talk, right? You know, you ask, ask yourself, do I want to put, you know, do I want to continue to put um, um, uh, uh, some food on the table? Do I want to continue to get, have a paycheck and to support you know, my wife and family? And, and so when you're having to make um, a decision between, what you think is the right thing and paying the consequence, you know, for that, um, and just you know having an ethical kind of compromise, uh, and not talking, and then having things be able to 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 continue you know, as normal, you know, most people, right, will choose the latter. They will choose you know the path of least you know resistance. That's that's just you know human nature. You're gonna do what's best for yourself. Um, you know, most of the time. Um, and again, this is why I was just, you know, first so impressed by the action of those SEALs who put themselves at risk. And again, you know, I'm sure that that does happen all the time within, you know, police departments, that you you know have police who do what those SEALs did. Um, it's just that, you know, that doesn't seem to make it out of the... Of the department into the news a lot is pretty you know as we know it's it's the negative stuff that gets you know the headlines, but just that those seals you know had that courage, um, to put themselves at risk and do what's right, uh, at at um, at the risk of their own you know livelihood. Uh, um, I just was touched by that on a personal level. I have such respect for that. Um, and so, I have respect for you know, you know, people who have courage, you know, who have like a moral type of courage, who who act um, you know, truthfully, you know, and, uh, uh, and 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 with integrity, you know, in the face of risk in the face of of you know danger of of that going the wrong way of your being um, like you're punished in the wake of your of your actions that you still go forward that's just I mean what could be more impressive what could be more you know, brave than that right and so when that happens when I see people act that way it's just I'm just in awe of it. I like to think that there've been times in my life in which I've done that. And I like to think the most important thing that we can do, Captain, is look ourselves in the mirror at night um, and not be ashamed of, of, of what we've done and not be ashamed that we've acted you know, you know, in a way that is in violation of our values. Um, but we both know that you know, sometimes we do act in violation of our values and and, and, it, and, it, you know, and it will haunt us.
0: Um, and so anyway, that's, that's kind of how I see it. Are you a police officer who's taken a promotional exam one or two times and has not fared so well? Do you know someone who wants to become a police officer, but is not sure about how to go about the process, or maybe they have also taken the exam and not fared so well? Are you the head of an organization who's looking for leadership training for yourself or for your employees? LMH police training and consulting services has those services as well as more. My services can be offered through online virtual training or one-on-ones. I even have online courses for those who are on the go. You can buy my police officer preparation course, or you can purchase my promotional exam course all online. All of this is available and more at hunterpolicetraining.com. And remember, I'm here to prepare you for your future today. You mentioned the ramifications, and we talked about the ramifications of the of the seals who spoke up, and you know, other seals may not want to come forward, or other military members may not want to come forward because I don't want to be uh, a victim of 45's thumbs. Uh, what uh, what do you think the ramifications are, in your opinion? Obviously, uh, to uh, when the if and when the blue wall of silence. Is erected again. What, what are the ramifications of uh, towards the public? What, what are the ramifications of, of that type of behavior?
1: Well, yeah, no. The if you have a culture where you know people in a department are not willing to be truthful about the misconduct of their colleagues, that will you know result in a in a department uh, which which is abusive. To the public, right? I mean, there's no way around it, right? If you protect, you know, bad actors, you're going to get more bad action, right? Uh, You know, it's just, that's just how that stuff works. You know, what you protect is what you are producing. Um, and so the results of the blue wall uh, of the protection, you know, of, of, uh, Police officers who act in a wrongful manner is that there's more of the wrongful you know, conduct, um, and so it will all result in uh, in a culture in a department that puts the, you know puts the public at risk. And if, of course, the department you know police are there for the protection of the public and for the safety and for the good order of You know, of of the city and of the community, then a culture which does not allow truthfulness uh, is just it's 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 one that that you know is less than ideal. You know, subpar. You know, suboptimal, as they say. Um, And and so um, as I. You know, thought through what the consequences were going to be on the military side of the Gallagher case, and that's what I—that's what I thought about. I thought we're now going to have um, you know culture within the military where the kind of stuff that you know Gallagher was accused of, you know, which was basically you know the the abuse of of the adversary, this you know, young kid. Um, you know, with ISIS, uh, this is the story at least, you know, you know, Gallagher, you know, beat the hell out of him and could eventually die. This was one of the bad acts, but it's, we're going to, you know, if, I mean, that's, of course, you know, it's a law of war violation, right? If we protect, uh, or if we, you know, if we quit, um, you know, individuals who are engaging in, you know, law of war violations, we're going to have more law of war violations, um, right? So it's the same concept. You will you know, get more of what you are, you know, um, of what you are letting happen. However, right, we both know that if you hold people to account for the misconduct, you'll have less of that, right? Because people will see by example that this is what happens to you when you go off the reservation. And so what's the lesson to be learned? Don't go off the uh, reservation. So, um, I, so the, yes, I think if you have a blue wall, you get, you know, you put your public at risk. If you have, you know, green wall, if you will, within the military, you, you know, put people at risk who are up and down. You know, you, you will put the, you know, You'll put young kids at risk. You'll put your women at risk, right? You'll, you know, you'll put people at risk all up and down the, you know,
0: whole, the whole, um, um, you know, organization. To the SEALs who did report, uh, did anything happen to them? Were they, were they punished, reassigned, uh, ostracized? Anything happen to them?
1: Well, that's the thing. We don't know, right? That information then doesn't get put into the papers it doesn't get you know publicized you know it's where to the best of my knowledge you know those guys who did come forward haven't had any you know further contact with with the press and uh, I don't have access to them you know you know seal culture it's you know, it's very close it's very tight I'm sure uh, you know, it's hard to penetrate that and unless you're a part of it there's no way to access it so I have no you know I have no knowledge of whether they went back to their units and were punished or not um, I can only make the assumption that their lives are more difficult in the wake of of their testimony, than their lives were before their testimony. And that just comes from my from my common sense and from, from my
0: experience. Right. So we both don't know um, from your common sense and from your experience, do you think that if the president's tweets would have been in favor of those SEALs, do you think that they that their lives post them telling would be much better because the president wouldn't be in a corner. Yes. Yeah.
1: Yeah. No. Uh, yes, so this all yes. comes from the top. <laughs> yeah. It's just right. I mean, if, you know, if, if, if this wouldn't have gone down the way that it did, you know, if, you know, President uh, Trump did not get involved in this case and put his thumb on, on the scales for, you know, for Gallagher, if Trump just would have been in the White House, you know, you know, doing his job and letting this case go forward, then what would have happened is it would have gone to a trial, and evidence would be placed, uh, you know, in front of the jury, and they'd go back in, you know, in the jury room and and um, and deliberate. And come out with you know with a verdict and and it all would have been done you know quiet in a in a manner which the public didn't have access to and 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 the and the seals who who testified would have gone back to the units you know live their lives in a normal way um you know and that's even if there would have been you know if it would have come down in the same way if there wasn't acquittal you know still uh, You know, as long as you're not made an example out of by a senior official as someone who did the wrong thing, then they would have been fine. Um, But it was the humiliation by the president that, you know, changed the whole dynamic there. And, you know, now, you know, if you will, not only were they disloyal uh, as far as the the whole perception by their colleagues, but they were disloyal and humiliated, just for good measure. So I just can't think that their experience is the same as it was.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. What are your thoughts about uh, what's going on in the country, starting with the George Floyd protests? What did you think about the George Floyd incident and the, the following protests and what's going on around the country? What are your thoughts about that?
1: Yeah, I think we're in need of this, you know, conversation that we're having right now. I think I think it's long overdue. Uh, the, you know, uh, the idea that um, there's, you know, you know, implicit uh, uh, like racism is one that I think I think is true. I think it's I think it's true. I think when you know. Uh, I just I've seen it in the military um, I've seen it in my experience in life that if you have a bunch of you know, white men who are in control of, of the levers of power that that's going to you know be demonstrated that that, that you know your power is gonna be used You know, sometimes in a way that is negative for African-Americans and for minorities and for women, for that matter. Um, I'm a, you know, big believer that the way you change that is you you have, uh, uh, you know, know, more diversity at the top. I'm of the mind that's the only way that that you will change it is to, you know, have diversity at the level of leadership. Um, you look at the military, you know, it's still, you know, it's largely, you know, it's white men who, you know, who run things at that senior level. Um, in, in, you know, in the police force is much the same. There, you know, are some, you know, the senior African-Americans who are at the top, you know, like yourself, um, but, you know, and not as many as there should be in my mind, and and until we sort of you know, have a change in our composition there, and have more of a diversity within a you know w- w- within our C-suite at that top level, you're going to have you know incidents you know, like this. Um, and so I'm I'm you know I'm happy to see that. That there's outrage about it you know it's badly overdue uh that people say you know, no more um and we need change and so that's you know it's kind of a reckoning that is long overdue um it's a difficult as we know it's a difficult topic because everyone will come at it from their own perspective and their own kind of you know viewpoint um you know white men will be defensive you know, you know, African-Americans will, will be accusatory. And, it, you know, it's hard to have a dialogue in that kind of context because they're different you know, points of view. But we need to have this, you know, we, we need to have this kind of dialogue and this kind of, you know, and this kind of reckoning. And we need to, you know, go forward as a country and amend these wounds. Um, we just saw it again in Wisconsin, right? The whole thing kind of happened again in a different form. Um, you know, and people are asking, you know, how much more of this? So, so anyway, I, I come down just from the view or from the point of view that, um, you know, we need a society that is more just, uh, you know, principled, Um, and equal. And and the way to do that is not through, you know, changing policies at the departments, you know, making new rules. It's having more diversity at the senior level. That's my view on it.
0: Mm. I was going to ask you, you know, about the the military. uh, You talked about military code of ethics and honor. And um, and of course, the police have that. Uh, Every police will have a you know, the code of ethics and morals and um, uh, a motto and everything like that. Um, I was going to ask you, how do we change that to get more in line with the military? Um, uh, because one of the mantras that we, I can remember my academy days is that we said, you're we are a paramilitary organization, police departments are a paramilitary organization. And so I wanted to ask you just a little bit about how we changed from that, the code of the military more to, to, to adopt that into the, into the to the police. But I think that you kind of answer that in that you think more diversity belongs at the top to change the culture, to change the ethics yeah. and codes.
1: I'm I've, you know, you know, I formed the view over the course of you know, my career in the military that, uh, you know, a big organization takes on the personality of, of, of its leader mm. that in the person who's in charge will you know, set the culture to a large extent of, of that group, of that organization. Um, we look to that you know, leader because in the military, right? And I'm sure this is also true in the police. It's where, like I work as a major, um, each year I get an evaluation that is very important for my career. Um, and so I have you know, two people who are writing that. It's it's my supervisor, and it's my supervisor's supervisor. So for me, it's a colonel. Well, it's usually, yeah, usually it's a colonel who's my supervisor and then a general. Or sometimes it'll be like a colonel and a colonel, one of like a higher, you know, you know type of level. But, but it's where... I then, you know, motivated to ensure that I'm doing what they want me to do because they're writing, you know, my evaluation. And if I have to decide, you know, how to resolve um, a dilemma of like a moral nature, I'll ask myself, right, just kind of implicitly you know how will my raters you know how will my supervisors you know view what i'm about to do because they're writing my review each year and that's going to determine whether i make the next you know rank or not and that's that's the attitude that is built in to the military but then right you know who's their raters so if you go up the chain right you know you know their raters or this you know or their supervisors you know, they're the generals who are in charge of the Army National Guard, and so it goes back to the person on top, and everyone is asking themselves as they look up that chain, what are the values of the leader? Because they all go right back up to that person, and if that person's you know, values are narrow, you know prejudiced, or you know old-fashioned, uh, kind of bigoted. Um, Even in like a way that is implicit that you know subconscious that's going to feed into that system um, Because everyone will be having to judge themselves against you know those values And so I'm just of the mind that you change an organization by you know having senior leaders Who are the examples who you know who are the models? um, And that then will set the culture for the group. That's how I see it.
0: I, I Could not agree more Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. I really, really appreciate it. you have any other articles coming up that we need to all prepare ourselves for that are going to piss <laughs> off the military or, or piss yeah. off the police or <laughs> politicians? <laughs> yeah, not right now, but and when I do, I will let you know, Captain, Okay. I promise. Okay, I appreciate no, it. No, you no, know, it's
1: been a pleasure. Thank you for this.
0: No, thank you. I certainly appreciate it. Um, I wish you the best and uh, stay safe, wear your mask and all that kind of good stuff. <laughs> okay, okay, Captain. Thank you. For